you know, harvest went well. We're cutting asparagus now. It's not crazy, like blowing up, but it's nice and manageable, and the quality's good. You know, kids and the, my wife is doing well and celebrated her birthday, and what else? Um, had some windows show up for a house that we're building. Like, wow, that was a huge accomplishment. So we're still on the two-year program. We're not being bumped to the two-and-a-half or three-year program. So, And those actually got installed. So that was fun. But, um, but I have to be honest with you, I kind of have a confession to make. Um, I kind of got offended this week. Actually, I don't like using the word offended because offended kind of, I think the way it's used in the Bible, it, it, like when you cause offense... It's almost indicating you might cause somebody to, who's weak to, you know, weak, be knocked out of their faith or whatnot. And I didn't, I didn't lose my faith, obviously, but I would say I was more or less irritated by a situation. And um, it was interesting because it really wasn't anything, the sound has changed, it really wasn't anything that bad, right? It was just something that somebody said and it, guys, I got really loud here all of a sudden. Is that just me or can you guys hear that? Uh, it was something that somebody said, and it just, it was not out of malicious intent that they said it, um, but I disagreed with it. And, um, you know, normally there's a lot of times that things like that happen, and we just, they, we brush it off, right? It's not a big deal. But then there's times where it's like, oh, that kind of, and you know that the intent was not wrong on their part, um, but it bugged me, and it was a challenge for a couple days, um, so, you know, I thought, oh, man, and then I, then I started thinking, man, i got to give an opening this Sunday. That's, boy, this is not, this is not good because I'm kind of wrestling here a little bit, you know, and I'm like ready to, you know. You know. So I had to think, well, let's, let's look at what the Bible, what the Word says. And so, you know, I had to go back and remember that um, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. So if we look at Ephesians 6, 12, um, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So sometimes we've got to be reminded that, you know what, our battle, even these little things that, we, that come in our mind, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is very real, and that battle is very real in our mind. Um, and I, then I want to read 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 15. It says, Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So I struggled with that this, this week for a couple days. And um, so hence, out of my pain and suffering and maybe hard-headedness, a, a Sunday morning opening was, was born. But I thought, you know what, this is something that all of us deal with, right, every day. I mean, I could, if I could ask a, for a, a, a set of hands, which I won't, who, who had a negative thought this week? I think pretty much all of us could, you know, who got irritated at somebody this week? And again, and if, if you didn't, then, man, you had a really good week. But then I started thinking, okay, so Scripture commands us to capture those thoughts, right? And why is that? And then I think, well, what is, how have I normally thought of that? And I think, well, I've always kind of thought of that in a certain way, and I'm guessing some of the wives here kind of go, yeah, you know, that capture thought thing, yeah, that's kind of for you, honey, you know, right? Which it is for us. But there's a whole lot more thoughts that you can have out there that are thoughts that we need to capture, Right? 
What about negative thoughts? What about just negative thoughts that come on our head? What about self-depreciating thoughts, self-degradating thoughts? When you're like, man, I just don't, I can't ever seem to get this right, or I can't, how come I don't have more talent? How come I'm not like that guy? How about thoughts of comparison? That's a big one. What about thoughts of unforgiveness? We're still feeling that pain that somebody did. Sometimes people can carry that stuff for years. I mean, way back when, right? You're still like, ah, oh, there's still a wound there, still hurts. Doesn't mean we don't ever forgive those, forget those things. There's times where people hurt us. And yeah, there might be a scar. There might even be a scar from our parents, from our dad, you know. What about thoughts and temptations to gossip and want to destroy other people in a sense of not destroy them, but you kind of want to murder their character by, right? And we think we're being spiritual sometimes by sharing and, and by talking about it. And reality kind of occurred to me that, you know what, what I had this week, my little struggle was, it really was kind of a lack of faith. Because if I really trusted God to work out this situation, which the older I get, I think it must be an age thing, but the older I get, the more I realize that, you know, if you don't, if you can't figure out a problem right away, just go, leave it be, just don't get frustrated about it, go and sleep on it. And literally our our subconscious mind never sleeps. So that's why a lot of times in the middle of the night you wake up, you're like, oh, you know, that's how I figured out how to fix that tractor. That's, you know, or in the morning we wake up and the solution is there. Or we just allow our emotions to calm down a little bit and, and we can come to that workable conclusion. I believe it's what it also gives the Holy Spirit time to, um, to help us with that situation and what, what is the answer to that situation. But sometimes our emotions, they, they, they swell up, right? Um, But for me, it was, I knew in my, I knew in my, I knew that the, what that person said, they had, they did not have a malicious intent. To me, it felt like they were cutting corners, right? But I knew that it probably could be worked out. But for some reason, man, I, that little, I got irritated. And I'm convinced we got a little organ in our body that's a little, little irritation organ. You know, it's about the size of a kidney bean. And, you know, that thing, it can get, it can swell up to like the size of a, you know, a lemon, and, but at the same time, we're supposed to salt that sucker like a slug every day with the word of God. And I think eventually the thing can, can die and go away. But it takes the word, right? Shining the word on our lives to deal with that because it's kind of a little emotional organ. Um, it doesn't really exist, but it, it does kind of make sense a little bit. Um, so it was really, I, I believe it was just simply a lack of faith on my part. And that I was, you know, I kind of wanted to just mellow in my emotion a little bit and be irritated. And I think sometimes in our own flesh, we kind of do, right? Because anybody identify with that? You just sometimes you kind of feels good, I think. And the reality is, is you know what? I need to just, I need to run to the Lord. I need to present this to him and say, Lord, I think we have to be honest at times and say, Lord, this is how I feel. We have to be honest with ourselves. This is how I feel. This is kind of what I feel like doing. But Lord, help me to keep my emotions in check. Help me to keep and, and, and to trust you that you will work out a solution. So, if you look at Romans uh, chapter 14, verse 23, uh, it says, But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. This is talking about those, he's talking, well, I'll just read it. Because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. I think in this context, Paul was talking about those who were eating things 
that, you know, they were free to eat now in Christ, but, you know, if you were looking at the old law and somebody saw them eating that, they might have been offended. Um, but, but the main part I want to concentrate is that last part that says, for whatever is not of faith is sin. Well, there's a lot of situations in our day that if we're not, if, if I'm getting frustrated about a situation, really, I'm, I'm kind of choosing to not have faith that God is going to work that out, that a solution is going to come. It really, um, I believe it's really about complete surrender to his lordship. And that's that taking those thoughts captive, right, every day. And again, there's all kinds of thoughts. You know, the enemy, he wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy everything good, right? He, has, he wants to plant seeds in our minds. He wants to do things to get us off track. Um, I remember our old pastor, he's passed away years ago. He would always say, your, your one thought, your one thought from the kingdom of God and your one thought from total destruction. And you could say, one thought from leaving the faith. Well, really? One thought? But then when you think about it, yeah, actually you are. Because if you're going to drift off and go into left field, well, there was one thought that's, that you didn't capture in there somewhere. And then there was probably a bunch more, but it all started with one. Um, so what is the solution this morning, okay? I mean, I'm sure some of you can identify a little bit with that. I mean, it's every week, right? It's, it's this battle of the mind. You can read books on it. I mean, the, you know, there's all kinds of success books that are written, and ultimately, all they're doing is they're taking biblical principles, and they're putting them in the success book. The only problem is, is they're not giving credit to the source. Um, but, you know, if you can conquer this right here, this piece of real estate, um, I'm convinced you can, you can do anything, right? It's, it's all about the battle of the mind. Um, so the solution, Hebrews uh, 4.12. Let's turn there real quick. Um, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you think God's word is sufficient to get into those very crevices of our mind? It is. The word is sharp, and it's the only thing that can help us deal with those things. It's the only thing that can get in there, help us deal with those thoughts. You know, those negative thoughts that you, you think are okay, and sometimes or we think they're okay sometimes. Well, yeah, I'm kind of hard on myself. Well, no, you're actually, you're actually not having faith. You're not believing what the word of God says about you. The, Psalms 139 says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And you're believing something else. You're believing you're not good enough. Maybe you don't look quite right. Well, that's where the word is powerful, right? We need to get the word inside of us. Um, second Peter, uh, actually I'm going to jump down to Hebrews 4, uh, 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, it seems like I've, I've read that verse a lot of times, and I think in the back of my mind, I tend to think, well, that's really for kind of big things, right? You have a big problem, you know, something really, man, you're struggling in your marriage, or, you know, oh, man, one of your children are sick, and oh, that's a big thing, we run to the throne. Well, actually, you run to the throne, if you're struggling in your mind, you can't kick that thought. Let's run to the throne. Don't hold back. Don't wait, right? The call is to come. The call is to come and to present that to him to get the help that is needed, 2 Peter 1, uh, uh, verse 3, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life 
and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Do you ever wonder, why did God literally... Why didn't we, like, when we get saved and we, and we confess our sin, why didn't we get a little bit of a physical upgrade in our bodies, right? We're still living in these, in these, these fleshly bodies that are prone to sin, right? They're not, we're not living in our redeemed body yet that we get someday when we go to heaven, our glorified body. Like, why, did, why didn't God give us a little bit of an upgrade? I mean, we did get a huge upgrade because we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is, and if we'll listen to him, you know, and he'll even, he can even help us take care of our bodies if we listen to him so we can live longer and not do certain things that will de- risk our lives or, or maybe even shorten our lives. Um, but I think he did that because he's enough. He is enough. His word is enough for us. And that's what this is saying, that he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And we can live and we can please him. And his word is powerful and it is enough. The question is, is am, I, am I daily going to come to him? Even with those little thoughts, am I submitting those thoughts to him? Um, last thing we have to look at is what does God expect from us? Jesus said, I, you know, be perfect as I am perfect. That's a pretty high standard, isn't it? But where is our perfection? Is our perfection in, in our ability is it, is, our perfection, is, is it in our ability to come to him? Or is it the blood of Jesus that we daily put on and we appropriate in our lives? And it's his perfection, right? And, it, and the more we appropriate that, the more it deals with the sin issues, the more it deals with those negative things. And it's just, I love it. I love how God has, um, he's, made it, he's made a way. Even, in, even though he knew we as humanity were going to sin against him. He made this beautiful plan of redemption for us. And it's a daily plan where we daily confess and we daily run to the throne and we daily cling on to him. And we don't let one little thing that we struggled with in the week blow our whole week out. And we don't turn to these other temptations and we don't go off and left field because God is enough. His word is enough. His word is powerful. You know, he knows that we are, he knows that we're weak. He knows that we are created of the dust and of the earth. But praise be to him that he made a way that every, every week, every day, we can have victory through him. And so um, let's go ahead and stand. I'll invite the worship team up. We'll pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning, Lord. Thank you that you are enough. Thank you that your word is powerful, Lord God. And that we, even though we struggle If not daily, Lord, we struggle weekly in this walk of faith, Lord. And there's times, Lord God, where our faith is weak and we don't know if we have enough energy or enough strength. But Lord, I thank you that your word says that your mercies are new every morning and that we can run to you, God. And we don't have to live in these unending seasons of frustration, Lord. That we, even though we feel pain, we feel hardship at times, even though we mess up, that Lord, you are... are, open arm to us, and we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We love you, and may you receive the glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyway, Lord, thank you for Pastor Jason. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you will use him now to bring it to us, Lord. May we have receptive hearts and uh, receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Good morning and welcome again this morning. The sun is still shining outside and it's very nice out there today. Thankful for the rain, but also thankful for the sunshine. <clears throat> Don't worry, we'll get more rain tomorrow. Uh, so every year I like to share kind of some of the fundamental things that we believe. And uh, I was looking back in my notes because I don't remember how long it has been, and it was exactly this week last year. It was May 2nd last year that I shared this. So I'm going to share it again. <clears throat> what, are, what are the main things that we believe, that we stand for, the things that we don't waver on? You read through the Bible, and, and there's lots of things that can, can create controversy, it seems like. Uh, you know, I can read it, and then you can read it, and we have the same Holy Spirit, but sometimes we hear it a little bit different, or maybe we have an opinion about it, whether it's based on how we were raised, or based on what we've heard, or experiences that we've had, or, or sometimes maybe we do have a conviction on it. And neither one of them are bad, it's just that if it's an opinion, everybody has an opinion, but if it's a conviction, then you need to stand on it, as long as it doesn't contradict what the Word of God says. There's things, there's things in Scripture, I don't understand all of the things that are in Scripture and why they're there. I know they're there for a reason, but there's things in Scripture that, like I said, can be controversial. And there's things in Scripture that people read and then they take and make a whole um, denomination based off of one Scripture. It happens a lot. But you know, what is it that we really truly believe? What is it that we are not willing to back down from? What are the things that we are willing to stand up for regardless of what's happening in our world, regardless of what people might think or regardless of what people might say? What are they? What is it that we stand for? What is it that we do truly believe? Don't confuse opinions with convictions. Because like I said, if I asked everybody for their opinion, I would get a lot of different opinions. And then some people that have the same opinion, they might create their own little group over here and, and, and enjoy their group when they all agree and have the same opinion. It doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It just means that's what your opinion, you're entitled to that. But what's your conviction? I talked about our passion last week, but what is it that is your conviction? What is it that you really believe? That's what is important. We pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to interpret Scripture as we read it. The biggest question that I always ask myself with different things that might come up is, is my salvation based on this? And I'm just going to take one topic, and it's, called, and it's baptism. Okay, when do you get baptized? How do you get baptized I don't think baptism is salvation. Salvation is believing in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and that he rose from the dead. That's what your salvation is. Being baptized is letting everybody else know what you've done or know that you believe and know what you believe and how you believe. That's just one. There's lots of things in scripture that we can get distracted with. Is my salvation based on whatever it is that we're talking about. These things that I'm going to be talking about, yes, it is based on these. And if we don't believe the same on these things, then we don't necessarily believe the same thing. They're very, they're very basic, 
But I just think it's important about one time a year to go over these things. What are they? What is it that we're willing to stand up for? What are we standing for? Why do we come here on Sunday morning? Why do we get together? We do that to encourage one another, but we do that because we have these things in common. Regardless of everything else that's going on, because I'll guarantee you I could find something probably with every one of you that, I, that we don't always agree on all the time. But these things we agree on. And these things are just what we believe. So we're gonna jump right in. The first one, there's five. I've got five of them. There may be a couple more, but there's five basic ones that I'm going to share that I did before. The first one is the condition of man. Adam was created. God created Adam in the beginning and, and he created him perfect. But then Adam chose to turn away. He chose to sin. So Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. I'll be reading quite a few different scriptures, but there, a lot of them are, are very familiar as well. But Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, and it says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The condition of man is that we are all born the same. We're born sinners. And I'm sorry if you think you weren't, you were. And if you think your kids weren't, they are. The only exception of that was Jesus. He was not born a sinner. He did not have the sinful nature Galatians chapter 3, verses 19 through 25. It says, What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ must be, might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Everybody was created equal. Everybody that has been born into this world since Adam fell, Adam and Eve fell, is born in the same state. They're born in the same condition. We're born sinners. Psalm chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. There are no exceptions with the exception of Jesus Christ is the only person that was born sinless and blameless. There isn't anyone who does good. There's nobody born. One, you've heard the saying that you know everybody is basically good inside. That is a lie. Because everybody's basically not good inside. And everybody's basically not wanting to do what's right. If we follow our human or our fleshly desires, we're not going to want to do what's right. 
And if we leave that to be the way we want it to be, we will always follow what I would like to do. You'd always follow what you would like to do. We were all born in the same condition. Children of Israel seems like would prove that more than anything because they followed and then they strayed and then they followed and then they strayed and left to do things on their own or us left to do things on our own, we will always tend to go to what we want to do and not to follow what Christ would like us to do. The condition of man. The second one is the inerrancy of the word. This is the word of God. This is the truth. The Bible is true. All of it. Every verse. I don't understand all the verses. I don't understand why some of them are there. But I do believe that it is true. All of it. The whole thing. Back in Genesis when Adam and Eve were put in the garden and, and God said, you can eat of anything here except for that one tree. You can't eat of that tree. And so when the serpent came, when the enemy, the devil, came to Eve and said, did God really say? And her response to him was, he said, we can't eat of it. We can't even touch it. He didn't say anything about not touching it. And Eve is paraphrasing in a sense and adding something to what God put there. And so in adding something to it, the enemy used that against her. Did he, really, did he really say that? Is that really what he said? Is that really what he meant? Confusion is what he was using. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter uh, 4 and verses 1 and 2 says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Now, this is in the Old Testament. Don't add anything to and don't take anything away from. And then if we go clear back to uh, Revelation chapter 22, we're going to hear similar thing again. 22 verses 18 and 19 says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of, God, of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. You got one clear towards the beginning, you got one at the end. This is the word of God. This is the inspired word of God. And we're not to take from it. We're not to add to it. We don't get to pick and choose what we want to believe. We don't get to just only read. You can only read certain books. I I mean, that's up to you. But it's all true. It's all there for a reason. And the purpose and the reason for the word of God is to point people to Jesus. It's the whole point of this book. is to point people to Jesus. That's the answer to everything in this book. If we could pick and choose which parts to believe, we would find ourselves right back like the people of Israel were in the book of Judges, where everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Because then we could take the parts that we like, and we could leave the parts that we don't like, and then we just make up our own mind what we want to do. That's not the way it works. This Bible is entirely true every 
verse and every word. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is here for our benefit. This is here for us. We heard this morning that the scripture is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Read it. It's the word of God. The inerrancy of the word. The next one that I have is the deity of Christ. Jesus is God. John 14, verses 7 through 11. If you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Jesus wasn't then and isn't now just another good man. Jesus was perfect. He was the only man that was ever perfect that lived here on this earth. He proved to be both fully man and fully... We heard uh, on Easter Sunday that in... Dying, he proved that he was fully man, and in rising again, he proved that he was fully God. Jesus is God. Other beliefs that there are don't think Jesus is God. And that's just just another prophet, or just he had a lot of good things to say, and and he lived a good life, but they don't truly believe that he is God. We do believe, I do believe, that he is God. No one else ever lived a sinless life. And if he didn't live a sinless life, he would never have qualified to be the perfect lamb that needed to be sacrificed to do away with the law. And that's who Jesus was, as he came and he lived. He was tempted in all the ways that we are today, but yet he didn't sin. He became the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is God. Number four is the virgin birth. Now, if you're anything like I am, I'm like, that's impossible. But let me remind you, the God that we serve can do things that are impossible. Adam was created without sin. He then chose to sin. Jesus was born with God as his father not with man as his father, because as is he born, had he been born with man and his father, he would have been born with the same sin nature that we have. And so that couldn't be, that wouldn't have worked. That's why the virgin birth is so important, is that he was not born of a man here on earth, he was born from God. 
With God as his father, again, it makes him fully divine. It makes him fully God. And with Mary, an earthly mother, makes him fully human because he was born just like you and I were. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense offense, many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one of from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned oh, through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. What did I say I was going through? 19. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even though, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. The virgin birth is important because sin entered through one man, through Adam, and through Jesus, who was not born of an earthly father, He took care of sin when he died on the cross. The virgin birth. The last one that we just celebrated a couple weeks ago is the bodily resurrection. Jesus did physically rise from the dead. And not only that, after he rose from the dead, he appeared to many people to prove it. Because he could have easily risen from the dead and went straight to heaven and nobody would have seen him here, but no, that's not the way he did it. He rose from the dead. He conquered death. And then he showed himself to many people so that we could have proof that he did raise from the dead. He did conquer death. The bodily resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 12 through 23. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, and by man also came the resurrection of the dead, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall be made, all shall be made alive. 
but each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. The bodily resurrection. Jesus didn't just die for us, he also rose for us. Because if he doesn't raise, then he's no different than anybody else. But the fact that he physically rose from the dead is what we base our belief on. This is an important part of what we believe. This is the most important part of what we believe because without the resurrection of Christ, where is our hope? Not only did he rise, but he showed himself to a lot of people. So there would be eyewitnesses to that could say, I saw him, I touched him, I put my hand, my fingers in his hands and my fingers in his side where he was pierced. Eyewitnesses to prove that he did physically raise from the dead. Jesus is the only person that could have accomplished this. The only one. He was the only one that was perfect. He was the only one that was not born in the same condition that all of us are born into. It had to be him. I want to read 1 Peter um, chapter 5. Verses 5 through 11. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever. Amen. You see, the enemy would like to get us distracted from these things that are really, truly important. And if we get too distracted from these things that are important, then we are of no value here. Are we seeking to further his kingdom or are we seeking to further our kingdom? Which one is it? These are the things that we believe. These are the things that are important. These are the things that we will stand on, that we won't waver on. That would be my hope. The condition of man, everybody was born a sinner the inerrancy of the word, the fact that the word of God is true, all of it in its entirety. The deity of Christ, Jesus is God. The virgin birth was not born of a man here on earth, but was born of God. And the bodily resurrection. Jesus Christ did indeed physically raise from the dead for us. I'm gonna have a song played don't forget, after service, we are going to have the, the uh, taco feed. I'm going um, to pray for that right now, and then we're going to play a song, and when the song's over, you can be dismissed and downstairs whenever you're ready. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for these things that you've given us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that as we read your word, we can we can interpret things, we can learn things, we can hear what you have for us to say. Lord, I pray that you would help us not be confused with our opinions. 
I pray that we can base our belief on what's true, on what's right, on what your word says. Help us not to fight or quarrel over things that really don't affect our salvation. Lord, the relationship we have with you is the most important that we can have. And I pray that you'd help us to focus on the things that we, that we believe, the things that are really, truly important, and the things that we are not willing to back down from. Thank you, Father, for your love. I just pray for the uh, launch that's prepared. I just pray that you would bless it to our bodies, guide our conversation and our time together there, and I just pray that we would have a good week this week and that you would be glorified through everything that we do and say. In your name we pray, amen.